I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance's Blast podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey, idiots. Welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed, the podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance, mostly by asking ignorant questions with me, Jessica Michelle Singleton, JMS. Uh, I'm your host. I'm a stand up comedian. I'm a fucking idiot. I don't know anything. And that's why we're here. Uh, I'm coming to you live. If you are on Patreon, patreon.com slash JMS comedy from my hotel in Cleveland. I am playing shows here this weekend, the 19th and 20th. I have also the 18th was yesterday uh, at Hilarities. Having a lot of fun with my pal, Steve Gillespie. So uh, assuming I drop this today, which I think I'm going to come on out, come on out to the shows. And if you're not in Cleveland, guess what? I'm coming to a whole bunch of other places, motherfuckers. Uh, I will be in Eureka, California. That's northern, northern California at a club called Savage Henry. I'm really excited to do that. I'm there the Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving. I'm coming to San Francisco for one night only on December 1st, one night only in Portland, Helium Comedy Club, December 6th. I will be in St. Paul. I, they, they're fucking, I don't know if there's going to be a Thursday show if they're moving that to a later show. I know it's the weekend of the 17th and 18th. And I will be also doing my musical with Jeffrey Baldinger there at that club. There's still not fucking tickets for that, which I don't feel great about really fucking annoyed about uh but very grateful they're having me excited to come to st paul really wish i could give you guys a ticket link hopefully soon in tampa fucking tampa all right i'm doing two shows in tampa it's christmas weekend i know not a lot of people going to shows on christmas weekend but i'm gonna be in town i got family there so like hey you do some shows you're fucking you fucking do shows here anyway and you're around let's do it so the 23rd dude i already got a bunch of college friends i got sorority sisters everyone's bought tickets for the 23rd keep buying tickets let's fucking sell that shit out please please and then on the 26th it's a sunday and there's a 6 p.m show so if you uh are an old person or have to work really early on a monday on the 27th but you want to come that's a good way start your evening or like wind down from the weekend, the wild Christmas weekend. Uh, you know, come after your black, not Black Friday. What is the 
not even a Friday. It's the day after Christmas is always the second biggest shopping day. So post returning the gifts that you hated, uh, come and see me at the Tampa comedy club side splitters, uh, at 6 PM on the 26th, or I think it's a seven 30 or eight on the 23rd. You can go to my website, jmscomedy.com slash shows, get all the info there. Also, you know what else you can, you can get neuro gum. It's caffeinated gum. I haven't had any today, but I've had coffee. Oop. Did I pack my neuro gum? I don't know. I should have probably wouldn't be doing this podcast if I had, cause I'm going to remember something else I have going on. Uh, but it's caffeinated gum with L-theanine and B vitamins. It's got, uh, it gives you focused energy. So, so yeah, hit, hit that. Uh, like I like to hit it, get a discount, 15% off your first order at getneuro.com slash JMS. Ah, that is a sound of me drinking delicious water that actually I, I'm realizing it sounds like I'm about to try to do an ad for water. Uh, and my, uh, anyone live in my Patreon shout out to patron Greg up in here, uh, in this middle of the day, unannounced live Patreon can see what brand I'm drinking, but I'm not going to tell you guys, you can guess by the sound of it. Also, it's the only one available. I'm not, I'm not uh, advertising this brand to the patrons either. If a water company wants to pay me to advertise water, they can hit me up. I will advertise in general. You should all drink water. It's really good for you. Don't fucking discount water. It's so good for you. Mm. I am so thirsty. Something about travel, not something about travel. It does dehydrate you, but it's like fucking, I have trouble catching up every time I fucking go on a little whirlwind travel-y situation. But that's not what we're here to talk about. This is a solo episode. And look, I don't know if I'm going to get emotional or not. And that's uh, not because I'm, uh, I don't have a lot of emotions around the topic I'm about to cover. It's because, okay, so the topic I'm going to talk about is just me. I don't have a guess. I'm just, my dad, some of you may know this, uh, I'm sure I've mentioned it uh, several times. My dad passed away, died. Passed away is weird. It, it makes it sound like, I don't know. I guess passed away makes sense when it's in your sleep. that They just like slowly into not being an alive human on earth anymore. Like it seems very passive. My dad, I guess he was like, I mean, I watched him take his last breath. It was like, <gasps> and then and there was no eyes. Yeah, I mean, most of you are just listening, but like, it was like, it, honestly, it actually wasn't that dramatic, but it, I, I saw the last breath come out of his body. And then I'm telling you guys, I am not part of an organized religion, but I think if you've been listening to this long enough, you know, I kind of have my little woo woo spiritual. We all go out into the, the great beyond beliefs, you know, my little mushroom beliefs. Uh, I could feel the energy. I, there was, it, you feel energy leave someone's body. And that's wild because it's, I mean, if you, okay. I probably should have made notes to keep this not so scatterbrained, but fuck it, I'm just going in. If you have heard, there's a thing called, and I may have mentioned this at some point too, the physicist eulogy. And uh, it's this interesting 
little like write up. It's not a poem. It's sort. It's it feels kind of poetic in a way, and I guess maybe it's just the topic. But it's this uh, thing, this little piece. It's a written piece. I'll call it that. Where uh, where the author goes, you want a physicist to give your eulogy or speak at your funeral. You want them to talk about how. Um, I mean, the gist of it is that like your energy cannot be destroyed. So we are all energy living in the form of human bodies. But the idea being behind the physicist eulogy and just this concept is that when you die, uh, you're not no longer there. You're just in a much more chaotic form. You're not in this body, but that energy is still around. And I really, boy, I didn't want to get right into like the moment of my dad dying as the opening of this. That was not the plan. But here we are. Is it, I mean, is death ever the plan, you know? But when I tell you, it was like you could feel something lift out and just go. It's like, you know, when you get, you ever get like spidey sense, you know, something's up. It's hard to explain because it wasn't like a, I didn't get goosebumps. It wasn't like something's, you know, oh, I'm freaked out or, you know, like sometimes when people tell me stories of wild coincidences or things that seem very much like the universe is listening to what they're asking, I'll be like, oh my God, I'm getting goosebumps. And I really do. This was just like, I don't know. You, you can just, you know, if you were to close your eyes and be really like still and someone would walk by you. If there's a way for them to walk by with making no noise that you had to pinpoint, you had to go like, you just passed me. I think a lot of us could get semi-accurate to that. Does that make sense? I don't know. It's like you can just feel an essence go by. And where it goes, you know, we all have a lot of thoughts on. And that's, I don't want to get too much into that. Other than like, I do feel like when someone dies, their energy, you're like, they're often their energy doesn't like leave earth and go like super far away immediately. I think a lot of times our spiritual energy lingers a little, if not for, you know, not necessarily like haunt anyone, but maybe to give comfort or to attempt to give comfort. I, I'm listening to this audiobook right now on the Overdrive app, which uh, this is not an ad, but if you've not heard about the Overdrive app, man, it's, you can get, it's, you can check out audiobooks, and I'm using quotations because it feels kind of stupid that they like put you on a wait list for audio and eBooks where it's like, just fucking give it to me. What are you doing? What do you mean? There's only one and you have to share it, but uh, for free. You sign up with your library card or you can use a phone number and you just choose your local library and suck on that audible. Um, give me a Spotify type of subscription audible where I can just listen to as many books as I want for the price I'm paying you instead of I can get one book a month. Okay. Overdrive does it better. You don't fucking pay anything. Anyways, journey of souls is this book by a guy called Dr. Michael Newton, who was a therapist who did past life regression. I really want to talk to somebody who does past life regression. This reminds me, I was going to reach out to somebody that I found. Uh, but in the course of him doing past life regression, he 
had experiences with clients where they would talk about the in-between of lifetimes and where they go and what it was like. And it was all, all these different people having very similar experiences of watching their soul come out of a past body. And some of them like drifting away really quick. Some of them, like I'm trying to like yell out to my, um, you know, husband or wife who's there to like, to comfort them. And I can't, um, very similar to if you ever listened to or, or have read people's near death experiences where they, a lot of times, or like people in surgery say that they like hover above their body. Cause they said like, and it's said, it's said that like, and I believe uh, Sarah, who I had on not long ago, who was a medium talked about when you're in severe trauma, your soul leaves your body before you're in like the, like, you know, before you're able to like register the, the worst of the pain. You like, you like, just make a quick escape. Meaning that like maybe during surgery, your soul, some people's souls like actually exit and then they go, oh, wait, oh, no, I'm not, we're not dead. I'm going to go back in. I'm going to go back in. But this isn't about my theories around that. It just is interesting. And from listening to that and hearing that some people go away quickly or some people, you know, stay around, they're not ready to leave, especially if it happens, you know, suddenly unexpected and they're trying to like comfort their family. But, But as a living person, And I've heard this from other people that you have these things where you just feel like you can feel their essence. And maybe it's just a coping mechanism. Maybe it's your brain holding on to something as a part of grief. But maybe, maybe it's more. So let's talk about, let's talk about pops. Talk about the man, John Michael Singleton, the man, the myth, the legend who existed for most people who know me as a bit least in the last however many years as a bit about a guy who once left me in a Waffle House. <sighs> I, and, and I, I know I've told this story before on different podcasts. That wasn't the last time I saw my dad. He came back in our lives, you know, uh, a while later Then my parents got divorced. It, it, he became a, you know, one week every month kind of dad, because we were in Southern Mississippi. He moved to Florida. Then my mom moved us to Alaska. And I think we saw him like twice. I went to college in Florida. And the last time I saw my dad was my 21st birthday. We went out to get dinner. He took me to the Melting Pot, amazing restaurant with fondue that was then ruined subsequently by a second abandonment. Ah, could you, it's like abandoned me when I'm at a shitty restaurant. He didn't leave me at the restaurant this time. He gave me a hug. Happy birthday. Do to do to do went about our business. And then he just randomly moved to Texas. Never saw him again. So I didn't see him for over a decade. And I started doing jokes about it at some point. I didn't I hadn't told anyone about any of this for years. And then I finally it's tragedy plus time. I think to some extent you get okay going, hey, by the way, this happened to me. And then it's like, wait, what the fuck? It's like, yeah, it's just been in my soul for a while. And I think part of it was like, we don't want to admit things to ourselves. You know, it's like sometimes when something hurts you for a while, that's denial. It's a, it's one of the phases of, of grief. Like there were there, you know, as far as I knew up until my dad left me a second time. I never thought of my dad as a bad guy, even regarding the initial abandonment. I just remember being like, it must've been a crazy time. 
he's my dad. He loves me. He's my best friend, you know, for years, uh, feeling that way. And then it happened again. And I was like, dude, fuck you. And I carried fuck you in my heart for a long time because I was hurt. And here's what I think about anger. Cause I am not someone whose default emotional response to being hurt is anger. And I know that's not the same for everybody, but also, I don't know. I'm someone who, if you hurt me, I am sad. I'm a sad hurt person. And I am a highly sensitive person. I've been told that on many occasions, some just as uh, an observation. Some people think it's a compliment. Some people told it to me in my childhood by being like, you're such a fucking baby. Uh, why are you the I, I don't know if anyone else got the why are you so fucking sensitive like it's someone's fault they're sensitive like imagine <laughs> imagine saying the opposite to like a blind why are you so fucking blind to a visually impaired person like what yeah that's not they're not trying to be and sensitivity is I really think that emotions are a sixth sense and we should be taught that from a young age. But, uh, and, and it should be taught that, you know, just like I'm wearing glasses right now, just like some people see sharper than other people. They have a stronger field of vision. Some people's hearing is more sensitive. Some people can smell things more or less. Some people feel things deeper. And I think that's part of the conversation around a lot of mental health stuff is, you know, obviously there's very real chemical mental health stuff and people are dealing with trauma, but also if someone is emotionally impaired in the sense that they don't feel, you know, not that it's an impairment, it's probably an advantage in a lot of ways, but they don't feel their emotions as deeply. Someone who feels very deeply seems crazy to that person. Just like if you're someone who feels very deeply, and you meet someone who doesn't have the depth of emotion you do. You, it's, I mean, the amount of fucking people in LA who I hear go like, that person's a sociopath. And it's like, what? No, just because they're not fucking crying over you. Shut the fuck up. I mean, maybe, but also some people don't feel as deeply. Some people also block themselves off to their emotions for a variety of reasons, whether it's societal, trauma based, whatever. I digress. The point is, I am someone who goes to sadness when they're hurt. But I think the combination of don't be a fucking baby, why are you so sensitive for years and years, combined with com compiled levels of sadness. And in the, in the chat, if you want to like, let me know if you have this experience or where your thoughts are, please go ahead. That's uh, live on patreon.com slash JMS comedy. I think our, the human mind and heart and body is really only capable of carrying so much pain 
physically, emotionally, mentally, you know. And sometimes as a way to protect ourselves, like I think we can only carry so much of any given emotion at any time. And I think most of my anger stemmed from the fact that because of my childhood, because of the trauma I had endured, I, my, the sadness well was full. There was no more room for sad. And so my body started fucking like inside out the movie. This, I don't think this specific thing happened in inside out, but you watch like this. It was interesting watching the Pixar movie inside out and being like, Oh fuck, that's crazy. My body was like, we need, we gotta, we're the, the sadness is overflowing. We gotta do something. And your brain starts turning it into anger. Cause it's, I think it's easier to be angry. I think that that's why a lot of men and, and it's a, of course, social conditioning too, but men go to anger first a lot of the time. And that's a blanket statement. There are a lot of women who probably go to anger first. Fucking, I just did an episode with Lisa Curry called violence is the answer. You guys heard that. I think anger is easier. I think it's easier to feel okay with yourself if you're angry because it feels there's something about anger that feels like self-respect, if that makes sense. That I'm angry. I'm taking a stand for myself, whereas being sad is just like I'm sad. And also all negative emotions are socially frowned upon. Like we're all led to think that we, there's something, quote, wrong with us if we feel anything but happy, which is wild because feeling happy all the time is impossible and batshit insane. I'm looking at in the in the chat of of the Patreon and seeing Greg who uh, lost his dad when he was 12 and and your younger brother when you're 18. I don't think you've ever I, and he says he doesn't think he's ever recovered. Dude, I'm so sorry. I knew about your dad. We've talked before. I'm close with all my patrons, by the way. Anyone listening to this and also Greg, if you want me to cut this out, you tell me. I'll just chop it out. Uh, which I love. I it's like th- thank God I, there's this community who whose stories and sharing was also very helpful for me, especially during COVID when there was, you couldn't really go out. My dad died. It's weird to say he couldn't go out, but I flew to Florida, but like people weren't commuting. You know what I mean? I couldn't go hug my friends. And a big part of quarantine for me was my other podcast, Two Filthy Nerds. And it was this community. And those conversations really helped me as well. And I think there's a lot to be said, by the way. Uh, I don't want to go on a full new tangent, but uh, about having a community or just people to talk to when you're going through something. It doesn't have to be a, a full-on support group. So that's great. But even just having people you're comfortable going, man, fuck it. Real sad. Because <laughs> we feel ashamed of, of, of those feelings and less so around death. But the point, I, I've, I'm going on and on, but I think after my dad left the, the second time and I never saw him again, It, it, it was easier to go to, dude, fuck you. You're fucked up. And that's like ego. And that's ego in the sense of. And, and I think we're all guilty of this, especially when we're hurt is you. Oh, boy. Man, boy, do we when someone scorns us, you make that person a black and white bad person. It's real easy to go. You're not a human. You're a piece of shit. You're a bad person, top to bottom. How could you hurt me? And it's easier to go fuck that guy 
all right, thank God I brought the tissues. It's going to come in. And this is what I realized. I didn't realize this, by the way, till my dad died. And I'll, I'll get to this in a second and how I realized it, I guess. And I don't think I'm unique in this. Uh, I haven't had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone who had a similar, you know, relationship with their father. Thankfully, uh, most of my friends have not had a relationship with their father like I have. And I say that thankfully for them because I wouldn't, I wouldn't want someone to. But going fuck them. I don't want to say this. It's easier to decide that you hate somebody and make yourself hate somebody and live in that anger. And this is what your ego does because our egos, as much as they can get in the way and if they get out of control, really warp our sense of uh, who we are in ways that make us gross and ugly and not able to see our own faults. In some ways that can be really debilitating. In some ways it's like protecting you from something you are not ready to handle. And so sometimes our egos go, that guy's just fucked up. Fuck him. What a loser. What an asshole. Because it's easier to go, eh, fuck that guy. Than it is to go like, fuck. This hurts. Like it's so, it's so much easier to go. That's an evil person who's just fucked up than to have to deal with what your brain wants to do, which even if this is also not reality is to go like, why? Why doesn't this person? And it's not just like parental. It's obviously like I've got a deep parental wound. But it happens with breakups, friendships. They it, when someone just draws a hard boundary all the all of a sudden. I don't know if anyone's experienced that. I'm just looking for other examples. But like, why doesn't this person want to be around me? Why don't they love me enough to ask how I'm doing to see if I'm okay? And that's a really gray area. You know what I mean? But when you're hurting, when you're in pain, I just started reading, reading, listening, and I think it's it's pretty good so far. So I think I'm going to get the physical copy. I like to do that when I really like a self-helpy book so I can, you know, really work through it and highlight shit and go back to it and know how to find things. But I just started listening to this audiobook called let me make sure i say the right title because so far it's been really eye opening for me to the point that i'm like i want to fucking pull this apart in my comedy i want to i want to i want to interview this woman susan anderson is the author who is a therapist of course it's like all i do is read books from therapists for fun but the journey from abandonment to healing and i think um as much as like i have openly made jokes about like ah, i got left i have I've always had a problem with not wanting any individual thing I talk about or thing I'm into to be part of my identity or how people see me. And I don't want to be seen as like the girl, oh, the girl who has abandoned, you know, any more than I want to be seen as the girl who does queef jokes. Like, yeah, I do. Both of those things are true. I don't want that to be 
what I'm summed up to. But I had to, I, I just started listening to it and I really am trying to sit with like, and this is a different topic for a different time, but like acceptance of the fact that it's like, no, you're a survivor. I, I am a survivor of abandonment. And like, just one of those things where like, until you really accept that you can't heal it. And I'm going to put a pin in that for another episode because I will go on a fucking tangent. I don't have all day to talk to you guys, but because I want to stay focused on like grief and my dad and his loss and how it's impacted me. Because look, the amount of anger I uh, I allowed myself to feel, the amount of, and it's, it wasn't like, I wasn't walking around in visceral anger, but I would, I started talking about it callously, fuck that. And it was just like, my, and, and it's a miracle what your brain does for you. Cause in a way it's like it, not even in a way it's protecting you. You know what I mean? I forgot. I, I was so angry at my dad and I had so much anger in my body, which probably did not help my rheumatoid arthritis. In fact, probably a, a big culprit of it. It blinded me in a lot of ways. And I'm sure that this is not a unique outlook saying anger is blinding. I feel like I've heard that or read it or, you know, some somewhere. But I, I blocked out every great memory I had with my dad. All I could remember or think about when the topic of dad came up was, fuck that guy. He left me. And I say that. I don't, by the way, I don't fucking, I please God, don't send me messages of sympathy listening to this. It doesn't help. If you have it, that's thank. Keep it in your heart. It doesn't. I don't want to. I'm putting this out there. I don't want to keep reliving all these things I said. I'm trying to open up and talk about it, but like I don't. It's not. That's not the point of this. I just want to show my journey of grief because I know it's so different for everybody, and I think talking about it a little more openly can make us more comfortable with our grief because there's so we're you know so many times like, I gotta suck it up I'm too sad I gotta pull myself together you know or you just have like a weird thing where like I, I was fucking getting memory dumps of my dad after he died of like all these things and I just thought like oh I'm crazy because my brain buried those in like a fucking cellar and locked it you know what I mean I didn't I genuinely until my dad was dying did not remember I, I said, I was like, oh, I, I, I had said, you know, oh, my dad was like my best friend when I was a kid. That's why it hurt. But I didn't remember. I, rem I knew that factually. Like, I remember, oh, he's my best friend, you know, but you could say that about someone from years ago, oh, my best friend in high school. You don't you don't like feel it in your bones just because you say it. But man, when he died, it was like. Something unlocked that cellar. 
and all these moments that I buried. I buried them in anger and just hurt. Like, I just, I didn't just. Like, I, I forgot that I didn't just have some fun times with my dad. I loved my dad. Like, duh. <laughs> but like, more than anything, more than anyone in the whole world, I loved my dad. And like, obviously, that's why everything that happened hurt so bad. Excuse me. But. Like, I forgot. I forgot. I can't believe at the top of this, I really was like, I'm not sure. I may not cry. I've had a lot of coffee and now I'm sobbing in the Cleveland hotel room. I forgot. He was like my safe place. You know, I was a daddy's girl. I could count on my dad and he was fun he was the most fun he'd be out in the streets out in the yards playing with us he was a big kid and it pissed off my mom so much i'm sure especially after we retired and like wouldn't hold a job and then as everything fell apart pretty quickly plus drugs didn't help i mean they did help with honestly this is like a bit i'm working on now but i'm fucking i'm sure the fact that he got into meth did help him be a fun guy till it till he left till it was like more fun to do meth than have a family. But like you didn't see the sober dads getting on pogo sticks on the trampoline, you know? <laughs> so here's what happened. I got a call the week of the election last year. My dad, he's a Republican. My dad is, you think of someone who is not a bad guy. He's not racist. You think of the least. He, take out the fucking extremist cartoonish shit you know about Republicans. He was the son of a war veteran who escaped. He was, my grandpa was a prisoner of war in World War II and escaped twice. This was a bad motherfucker. You know what I mean? Who had a wife and five kids. Four girls and then my dad. They kept going until they had a boy. And this is what I'm going to get into now is that like it wasn't until I mean, first of all, I walked in the I walked in the room and was flooded with like, oh, my God, that's my dad, you know, like. At Parker, our purpose is simple. 
We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. He didn't have gray hair the last time I saw him. He was so old that I looked, when I looked in his face, it's like I could see my grandma and grandpa in his face. And like, that was never the case before. I'm sure people who, you know, growing up, he looked like one or the other, but it was like, damn, there they are in your eyes. You know, it's like, that's, you are the son of these people. And his dad was this bad motherfucker, like war hero. They wanted a son. They got my dad. Who married my mom. Third marriage for him. And they wanted kids. My mom wanted to be a mom so bad. She didn't want to do the act of mothering and she can attest to that so I'm not throwing her under the bus you guys have heard the bits you've heard it all the things but she wanted to check the box of being a mom and he found out he couldn't have kids so they went to a sperm bank and I think that my dad because what he had was something called Kleinsfelter syndrome and that's a chromosomal Mutation. And uh, I mean, part of part of one of the side effects of it is a sterility. But this guy who's sort of been, you know, I'll never know if he was directly or indirectly given the task of carrying the family name. But because they're from a God bless America. A man's home is his castle. Provide for your family. Wave a flag. The best thing you can own is some land. Like that kind of southern rock. Just love your neighbor. Do your best. Work hard. Family. And then he can't have kids. So they have to go to a sperm bank. Like I never accounted for how that you know, I learned that when I was 19 and all I thought was like, fuck you guys for not telling me that. I never thought about how like that would impact a man who when you like when you boil down men biologically and why they're all fucking humping shit. And like I've had to learn not to fucking sexually assault people like that's like still a thing we're teaching people. Because at their biological lizard man brain. They're supposed to spread their seed. That's fucking, that's what their brain is telling them. At all costs, spread your seed. 
whatever it takes. And modern men, and you can like get fucking mad that I'm saying that, but modern men are actively teaching themselves not to respond to that instinct. And that's a fact. And maybe we are, as time goes on, we have, you know, evolved out of that brain a little bit and we are evolving out of it more. But like, I think that also when it comes to teaching stuff like that, we need to accept that's the reality and go, here's why not because people are reacting to their like base level survival instinct brain. So to have that and then not be able to do it, is that's a mind fuck. And then he was married to my mother who love her. Cheryl, I'm sure I'll do an episode bawling my eyes out if she dies, when she dies, if she dies before me. But my mom, not sober, just wild, untreated mental illness. Not a fun, I was afraid of my mom. And my mom was not just mean to me. You know what I mean? Especially as their marriage is falling apart. My mom can fucking, if my mom's mad at you or like is feels scorned, she will cut you to your core. Excuse me. So having to navigate that plus your own fucks, like your own fucking bullshit about, oh, your own inadequacies. Like my dad retired because he couldn't get promoted. You didn't retire from the military to just be done. It was like, they're like, you can't, you kept failing. Like you got to go. And like his dad was a war hero and he's just like, all right, I've been in for 20 years. I did my time. He tried to find some other jobs. And like my dad had a good heart. But he wasn't like a brilliant man, obviously, a brilliant person. <laughs> I don't know. Gets into meth. I know some a lot of part, smart people are shut the fuck up. I know a lot of smart people are drug, drug addicts. I'm friends with a lot of them. <sighs> but meth, come the fuck on, idiot. <laughs> Like you get into drugs, you don't feel good about yourself. You get into drugs, you get into substances because there's a feeling you don't like and you don't you don't feel like you can deal with it and you want to change that feeling or turn that feeling off. And that may not be consciously what you're doing, but if you're into drugs, you're you're into the way they make you feel. Which means if you're too deep into them, you don't like the way you feel now. You prefer the drugs and that's how addiction happens on top of, you know, the literal chemicals that can cause you to physically need something <sighs> but I didn't see all that when I thought about him leaving me I didn't see his perspective until I walked in and saw him on a ventilator and had a conversation with him shaking his hand, head yes and no because he woke up. They said he wasn't waking up for anyone. They're like, he's not waking up, but you should still talk to him. Because, you know, research tells us that people in this state can still hear what we're saying. He hadn't woken up in a few days when I finally, like, landed and got there. And I walked in and I said, hey, dad. And he woke up immediately. Sometimes, fuck. Sometimes when I think about it, I feel like he was waiting 
like he his vitals weren't great, but they weren't so bad. But I was arriving that they were immediately thinking of. I mean, they weren't super optimistic, but they weren't like there's no other option. And sometimes I wonder if he was just hoping that we would get that moment, you know. Because I've never been laying in a bed dying. But I can imagine, especially when you're incapable of moving, half sedated, and just hear people around you like, this isn't looking good. Oh, we got to up this because this isn't. You start thinking about your life and probably going, man, I fucked up. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he was laying in that bed going, God, I'm going to die and my kids don't even know. Like, I didn't think about him as a human who felt insecure and inadequate. You know, it's like, oh, I have to retire. Oh, I'm having trouble keeping these jobs that I'm getting. My wife hates me. <laughs> it probably was very mean to him. She was an alcoholic. She was violent. Not to say he wasn't. He wasn't like, you know, it was a two-way street, okay? I'm not saying he, he was like laying there and innocent victim being abused, but they had a they had a violent relationship toward the end. Physically and verbally. More verbally than anything, but not not physically. But if I know how my mom talked to me when she was still drinking and I was her child I can't imagine it never occurred to me that someone might that a, a father figure by the way this doesn't make it okay but it never occurred to me that a father figure could look at his children and his life and go you know Maybe they're actually better off without me. Maybe I'm a fuck up. Maybe I should take some distance. I didn't think about any of these things about the, and I'm not even saying that's necessarily what happened, but like until I looked him in the eyes that day, I arrived at the hospital. It didn't occur to me that, like, I didn't think of him as someone who probably regretted anything or had pain around our relationship. I had made him this, ah, fuck these kids. I don't give a shit. They're not even my real kids. That's what I did to protect my brain and my ego and because I had pride, because I didn't have the fucking balls. Because I went, oh, it's not a child's job to mend a relationship in this situation. He should call me if he wants to mend it because I didn't. It's like I expected him to show up to a situation with the same level of emotional intelligence and awareness that I have. And why? 
someone can't help what their level of understanding or or ability to reach out is. I mean, you can't do an extent. I mean, but I actively, you guys know this more than anyone, I'm actively working on mine. I'm constantly trying to understand myself and the world around me so I can relate to everyone better, so I can connect better because I want Because I think we all want connection. But I expected this grown man who was raised by a war veteran who never talked about his feelings, who instead of expressing why he was angry or having a conversation about it, would just disown his children as he got older. You're out of the family. I don't, you pissed me off. I expected that guy to come apologize. <laughs> My dad's one of the most stubborn people on the planet. And I thought he should extend the olive branch. And I say that to say, people say they go like, well, he should have. Yeah, okay. Well, in a perfect world, yeah, you would want the parent to go, hey, I fucked up. But not all of us were raised by Danny Tanner of Full House. You know what I mean? Like, we don't live in a perfect world. And expecting your parents to be perfect is unfair and absurd. And it's like, it doesn't, even not in parental situations, if you have the emotional wherewithal and capability to, to go, and even if it's something's not your fault, you just want to go, hey, I just want to reach out and and, and kind of it just squashes. I don't want to carry around a pain. And because you also never know how someone perceives the situation that you, you know, you don't want another, like, I, I don't want another person to be hurting. But when you're really scorned, sometimes you do. Like at, your, at my core, in my heart, when I really tap into who I am at my core, I don't want anyone hurting. I mean, it's inevitable. And acceptance of that is crucial to surviving it and growing from it. But like, I don't want to purposely hurt someone, but man, when you're, when you're hurt, you do a little bit because you're not, you're not in your right mind. You're in pain and you react accordingly. But since he died, it was like, I didn't have, I was able to joke so openly about the Waffle House thing because my brain had buried these memories. And who knows at what level, and this may also contribute to my arthritis, it for sure contributes to whatever mental health issues I have. Right now, I'm wondering if I've been treating my ADHD, well, treating PTSD as ADHD with ADHD drugs, when really it's all complex abandonment PTSD combined with all my other fucking trauma that's just in there making my brain fucking crazy. Just fire off at all synapses because I don't realize how many things are triggering me. Because oh, this is this is interesting because it's just occurring to me. I don't say it as like, this is so interesting, but I'm, uh, I find this interesting. There are things now, songs, Sights, 
even sometimes smells. I have a very weak sense of smell. I, I have for as long as I can remember. But shit that just makes me think of my dad. I mean, I'll have full on memories. I'll, you know, full memories from seeing one little thing, hearing one little song that I could have seen for years and never had that conscious memory. But now I'm going, but maybe subconsciously I was getting triggered. And my body is trying to do all this fucking, uh-oh, don't let the fucking, don't let the door of the cellar open. We just saw a fucking riding lawnmower. Her dad had a riding, like fucking act accordingly, batten down the hatches to keep me from being overwhelmed by my own pain. But even if I'm not overtly aware of that, if your brain's doing all this fucking like, uh-oh, don't fucking try to do backflips to protect you. Your ego's like, no, 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 you're fine. You don't care. Fuck that guy. Remember, remember, fuck that guy. But all that stuff is still sending off different chemicals and signals in your brain. Of course, that's going to fuck you up. It's like, I, I, that's why I th- when I talk about depression, and I mean, I do my bit where I go like, a therapist literally did say, you're not depressed, you've had a terrible life. This is a normal emotional response. Like, Yeah, that stuff over time fucks up the way your brain processes stuff. Because it's just like too many things firing off, trying. You know what I mean? It's like when you're trying to do too many things at once, things are going to wear down. Something's going to slip through the cracks. All of this to say, do I still, it's like a myriad of feelings. Mostly I, I was so grateful that I was able to see my dad. And I know this is like, no one should be grateful for someone's death. But I am grateful that it happened last year. Because I don't know, I'm a workaholic. I have a problem. I've missed weddings. I've missed other people's funerals. That compiled with like my anger toward him. I don't know. If I, ha- if I hadn't had nowhere to go, I don't know if I would have gotten that moment. And that moment of walking in, connecting with my dad, allowed me not only to forgive him, but to forgive myself. Because, man, when you go like, I mean, he was on that ventilator for, I think, like nine days total after that before they just said it's time to let him go. But, at one one of the days when he was still lucid, I I asked him. I was like, you know, do you you got it? They're doing everything they can. It's up to you, man. You got to fight. You got to want it. And I asked him, you want you want it? You want to fight? And he said yes. Which gotta tell you, that'll probably never stop haunting me when I think about the fact that. My stepmom made the choice to take him off a ventilator. But it because he had said he had a I had an uncle with COPD, which also my dad had. And his trajectory was had been similar. He had passed away a few months before, which I didn't, you know, put together that that's around the time my dad sent me a Facebook friend request with no message or explanation. I talked to my therapist about that and I was like, he didn't even fucking not a message. Fuck that guy. I did the fuck that guy. 
and then in retrospect, I was like, I think you knew that it needed that much time. Like, he was trying. There's nothing you could do in a situation like that, you know, in retrospect, but like, that was him trying to, you know, extend the olive branch, so to speak, but he didn't want a uh, Drake is what I'm getting at. The, they, it hit the point where the only outlook for him to continue living would be if they were able to get his vitals up to a certain point, which he wasn't even at them. Once they hit the point that it was like, he's going to have to have a Drake to be alive. My stepmom knew she had to let him go. He would never forgive her. <laughs> she said, she's like, he'll, he'll kick, he'll, he'll hate me. And she's not wrong. My dad would have been so fucking pissed. It's like, good news, you're alive and on a trach. Because <laughs> he specifically said, I don't want that. I do not want that. Let me die. You know, we all, all have that. You hear of miracle recoveries, so we all, I think, have that hope. But also, we live in America where, like, how much a fucking day are they spending on this goddamn hospital bed? What can you do, you know? My stepmom also was responsible for you know, my stepbrother, who is severely mentally ill. He has two kids. They've basically been raising these kids, my 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 stepmom and my dad once got uh, autism. And so it's like, you know, now they have to worry about those medical bills. I don't know, though. He was in the military. I don't under I don't know the financial logistics. I just know that it's more than just being like, yes or no. You know, of course it is. I, he didn't want to be on machines, but I'm grateful that. If it had to go this way, if he had to go this way, it happened when it did and I was able to be there because there was so much closure in getting to see him and I got to say goodbye. I mean, I am I joke about it on stage because it is funny, but it's also like the nothing better could have happened for him than I, I was playing... I had Andy, my boyfriend, make a Spotify list of my dad's favorite artists, which were a lot of Southern rockers. Melissa Etheridge was on there, and I forgot until that moment because I asked my stepmom for names to put on there, and I forgot that he's why I love Melissa Etheridge. <laughs> and he died during the guitar solo of Freebird, which I laugh about on stage because you have to laugh at fucking... Come on, you cart it's cartoonish. But also, you you're a southern guy. And that's your fucking jam. If you're gonna go to a song and you're someone like my dad, I don't think there's a better song to go to. And I held his hand while he took his last breath. I held his hand when they moved him 
from the ICU to hospice, which it's like, why don't you just, he's so big. They had to have people like hoist him onto another bed. And it's like, why don't you just unplug people in IC? Why do you have to fucking go do this extra step? <laughs> but you know, we said goodbye. And it still comes in waves. There's days where I, I could talk about it without crying. Maybe not to this extent, but like I could think about like, oh, my dad died and it doesn't hit me like a ton of fucking bricks. And then there's days where I'm like, God damn it. And this is weird. And I don't know if anyone else, please like at me this, this you can message me about. I'm curious about, or, at, you know, mess, you know, tweet me, get in the Facebook group. Ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots. I always thought I didn't want kids. And I've never really had I've had like when I'm ovulating the, the like what I can feel as very biological, my body wanting kids. But also knowing how my mom openly said, you know, I wanted to be I wanted to have kids, but I didn't want to be a mother. Like I think of that. I think of my childhood. I think I didn't have a good example. I think like, as I said before, I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to fuck somebody up. And then you're going to be responsible for a life. But I was in so much pain that I didn't even think about childhood as joyous. And then when my dad died, it was like I had all these memories of just like, he taught me so much. And sometimes I think that like, he left when he did because he felt I was a really smart kid. And I'm not saying that as like a toot toot, but I think I had a point where my dad felt like you know, he loved getting to give, and I know this is probably like a dad thing, but he loved getting to tell me new information. I'm so sorry, you guys. We're all... <laughs> on live on Patreon right now, which by the way, I will read your comments in just a minute. I'm just going on because I have to barrel through it. Otherwise, I'm going to get distracted and fucking, I will read all your stuff after this because I, I want you to, I'll, I'll stop it. And we can just hang for a bit on Patreon, patreon.com slash Jameis comedy to be. Part of me crying live and boogers slash was that part of the tissue coming out of my nose? I think my dad's greatest joy in being a dad and why we connected so deeply when he was around is that he loved getting to be the person who like taught me new things, taught me new information, taught me how to play a game, taught me how life worked. And I mean, you guys who listen to this and the patrons, especially like you guys know that's, what do I love to do more than learn? I fucking love learning about new things and how things work and, and the ways of the world. It's my favorite thing. It's why I started this podcast. It's circling back a little bit to like his insecurities about like the, you know, don't excuse leaving your kids but are understandable to have the insecurities is like I genuinely looking back think he hit a point where he's like 
Because, I mean, I started teaching him things. I started telling him he was wrong sometimes. Not in a mean way, but going, I, you know, I, I said this to my therapist recently, but it's just fog. Sorry, I just caught my own glasses. The fuck, this is why you can't cry on Zoom webinars. <laughs> I told my therapist this recently that I was, I had to like learn how to socialize in a less condescending way. I wasn't condescending on, on purpose as a kid, but I was, and you'll understand what I mean, guys. I was a well, actually. Uh, well, actually. But because I wanted to share, but it comes across condescending. We all know that. That's like a phrase that is now like, you know, a catchphrase for mansplaining and condescension. But I just wanted to share. And I was doing that. And I think he liked that too. But there's a part of me that thinks that he kind of was like, man, I, I don't have anything else. Like that he didn't feel useful. Because he didn't have anything else. I mean, he graduated high school. He went straight to the military. He wasn't a rocket scientist. He wasn't, you know, he loved airplanes. That's why I loved airplanes and rockets, roller coasters. But he wasn't, you know, an engineer who was super knowledgeable about any of it. And I think that probably fed his, like, questioning of his purpose you know if you think that your purpose as a parent is to teach someone new information and that you only serve that purpose or that only if they need help I know my mom has trouble my mom had trouble with me because she thought I was too independent because I didn't have my brother had a learning disability he needed help he needed assistance he needed an advocate which he didn't always have but she was there as you know as well as she could be, especially when we were younger and there was two parents, it was a little bit easier to be there and she stuck up for him. But she didn't know what how to deal, how to connect with me. And I think it made him sad that he couldn't connect. But now like I have these memories of like these cool adventures of like all these things we did. And I'm like, oh yeah, like I forgot that being a child is magical. Which is wild, because like even in this podcast, it's like I'm chasing, I'm trying to chase that magic subconsciously of like learning new things. It's so exciting to find out new perspectives and like new information. Go new places. But I forgot how magical it was. And now... That I'm having these memories come back. Now I'm like, oh, actually, I think it would be really exciting to get to be that liaison, you know, which is a weird thing to refer to a parent as, but like you are, you're, you are a liaison for human life into adulthood. And I think the goal would be for me, and I think it's for a lot of parents, it's like, if I do, if I do good enough, they'll be better than I am. You just gotta, you know, you show them the ropes and then you go like, fucking let him climb. And what's crazy is even after years, 
What's crazy is that even after years of being so angry, so in that, fuck that guy. All I have really when I think back about my, when I remember my dad, when I go, dad, I start like this. I go back to those really great memories. And they're really not, you know, It's not even like tainted with what it should be tainted with, with the like, oh, but, but it's, he left in the, this, it's just like, oh man, I wish I could go back to that, those moments, like, but then be grateful that it's like, oh, I forgot I even had those moments and how great it was to share them with someone who, even though like he left and it fucked me up forever. Like I'm just now really starting to work on it because although I've been aware of it and I've addressed it kind of logically, it's like, I've been like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm abandoned. I'll work on the parts of myself I can. And now I'm about to start really working on that part of me specifically. This wound, the wound is still there. It needs to be treated. The wound of abandonment, of course. But I have these like amazing memories and I say that to say and I'll I'll wrap up here because I could just fucking cry into a microphone forever apparently ugh disgusting thank you for bearing with me look at that not disgusting normal and humid and I'm sharing so that other people feeling stuff like this hopefully feel a little less disgusting it's not disgusting it's normal all this to say it fucking sucks that parents can't be what we think they are or what we think they're supposed to be when we're a little man, remember? Remember thinking your parents or parent, if you grew up always in a single household, were superstars. They, they knew how to do it. They knew how to do everything right. They didn't. They were just people. And it's fucking bullshit when a parent leaves. Fuck, by the way, dads fucking who just leave, this is not uh, that. Fuck you, still. But also, all this to say, if you had a parent that you had a relationship with, and then they went away, you know, they chose to leave. They haven't been in your life. You've take a distance and you're sitting there thinking fuck that guy or thinking he should he should fucking come around he should apologize to me or a woman could be a mom fuck her it's not gonna hurt it's not gonna hurt any less there's a million fuck yous we'll take the pain away when they go and I would say it's worth the potential of having the last few whatever's weeks, months, years of just getting to like reconnect, reminisce, if you're able, if you know where they are and you're able to track them down and rekindle safely, 
you know, without harming yourself, you know. It's worth it. It's worth extending the olive branch and going, hey, I would love to reconnect. And it's okay to go, you know, it really hurt me when you left. And it's like, some people really, I really believe that a child is better off if they're able to have two parents, assuming neither of them are threatening the child's safety. But like people, people get in their own head. They get in their own way. They, they don't think about their, you know, emotions set off crazy shit in our head. Alarm bells. Let me run. You know, I'm running from this because it's safer to get away from it for me emotionally. Like one of my patrons in the chat talked about when his family passed away. His sister's just been gone. So people, it's like, and like, and then obviously for a lot of you, there's no tracking them down or this person's gonna, you may reach out and they go, nah. But it's worth, it's worth going, hey, I just want you to know I love you. And I'm really grateful for what we had. Because you're going to hurt either way when they go, you know? And worst case scenario, yeah, you endure the repeats to give them going. I don't want to reopen that door. But I think that's less likely than, you know, opening it a little. And what's best case scenario? You get this fucking connection back. We'll be the same. It's always going to be colored by the fucking pain or by the gap. You get to close the door on that at some point when they do pass away and go, you know what? I got to get, get to know them as an older person. I got to really understand their side of things and see them as a human instead of as this demon who just fucked you over <sighs> anyway if you want to see me do comedy <laughs> oh my god I'm sobbing listen oh god there was too much snot I almost had to go off camera that was a big one I am going to close down this episode and then I will be chatting with the patrons for a little bit in the chat uh, patreon.com slash JMS comedy. If you want to be part of, I'm doing more live ones. I'm going to start live streaming some of the interviews, uh, for everyone. I'll still only be focused on my patron chat. You guys can have your little side chats mostly because I want to get people more involved, get the podcast out there more, get the conversations going. The more, you know, I say it at the end of every, every episode, but the more we ask, the more we know, I mean, the more we learn, the more we know. And the other part, which is not, you know, is, I hope you realize isn't sarcasm, but uh, but if you are still listening to this, thank you for listening to my story and bearing through the extra nasally. I'm always a little nasally, but this fucking yink, yink, yink. Uh, this of me crying and blowing my nose. I'm pretty sure I lost everybody who's got misophonia about five minutes in when I did the first nose blow. But, uh, I don't know. Let me know what you think. You can join the Facebook group. Ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots. Start a conversation about it. Tweet at me. 
Facebook at me. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I'm looking forward to doing more with the podcast or with the Patreon specifically. I've decided to, I want to focus on where, where, you know, they say go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. So I want to focus on where the place where people who already like what I'm doing already are build from there. So more to come within this, within the new year. Make sure to let me know guests you want to hear from, types of conversations you want to have. I'm doing Monday meditations now. What those are is just going to be rants. I will put the rants out as episodes. But you can be live for those rants. And at the end, we do a live guided meditation. So we're all learning to get into the habit of meditation. It's You don't have to be a meditator. It's very much for beginners. I'm not a meditation instructor. I just guide you through a little five-minute. So come start building the habit with us. Take care of yourself. Take care of your brain. Take care of your emotions. Take care of each other. See you out there, idiots. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.